Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. For this midweek meditation, between the regular sermons and worship, I'd like to share my favorite from the book of Psalms. I probably have several, but this is this is one that I just always enjoy reading. I enjoy hearing And I hope you'll enjoy sharing. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for a mortal, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will, Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your holy word and ask your blessing on the reading, the hearing, the teaching, and the understanding. Amen. This psalm is attributed to the one who I guess is my namesake, King David, uh, having written it and and a song certainly of great praise, and and yet at the same time the kind of of summary of life and summary of blessing and summary of grace and goodness that, quite frankly, I love to open celebrations of life, whether at graveside or a funeral in the church. 
with the reading of this psalm, I, I call it the spiritual prelude or the, the scriptural prelude while the organist softens the music. And I read this for the congregation before we do anything else. David calls on everything that he is, has, and does to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, my very spirit. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Blessing the name of someone was to bless someone's very essence in that culture, and that's certainly what, what David calls to do. Bless the Lord, O my soul, he says again. Hebrew-style poetry is partly repetition, partly also that the psalm ends with the same phrase with which it begins. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. David had some colorful iniquity in his past, and yet knew that the Lord had forgiven him when he repented and, and sought to make right even things that really couldn't be. Who heals all your diseases. Sometimes we're given the strength to, to bear the burden of disease. But certainly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that all diseases will be healed, whether of mind, of emotion, body or spirit, God restores us all in his time, and sometimes in the eternal setting. He redeems your life from the pit. Now we have the image of a, a pit that Joseph was thrown into by his brothers before he was hauled out and sold into slavery. The pit can also be the underworld or a, a place that is is dark and loveless and without God for eternity. He redeems us. He buys our lives back from the price of that which we've done wrong. Crowns us with steadfast love. Steadfast love in Hebrew is chesed. And it's not just steadfast. It's a steadfast, undying, active love. It's not a, a love that sits back and wishes you well. It's a love that seeks to do you well and to do you good. Mercy, of course, is when we don't get what we deserve. He satisfies us with good. Yes, whether we can count it all at once or sometimes we, we don't seem to see it. But in good time, our youth will be renewed like the eagle's. There's part of that promise that the clay vessel that we bear now will fade. But the very life that is within it, the life that is the gift of the Spirit of God, will be renewed. I don't know why they chose an eagle in particular, unless it's just the, the flight, the freedom. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Sometimes he calls us to help him and we don't do like we should, perhaps. But God is right and just. In his final judgments, his eternal judgments, whether we are oppressed in this life or not. He revealed himself to Moses. 
He revealed what he did for his people Israel to them in the words he gave through Moses, the warnings and judgments he gave through the, the prophets over time, and of course certainly later to us through the life of Christ and, and of the apostles. But David wrote this long before he saw the blessing of the Savior that was to come through Israel. I love the next line especially. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. When Moses asked God, Lord, I, I represent you to your people. Let me see your face. And God said, no one in your life looks on my face and can live. But I will hide you here in a cleft in the rock. I'll put my hand over you. As I pass by, I will tell you my true name. And then I will remove my hand that you may see my back. You may see where I've been. As God passed by Moses and hid him in the cleft of the rock for his own safety, God announced the Lord, the Lord, except he pronounced the name. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In a previous sermon podcast, you've perhaps heard me refer to that as God's business card. It has the name, the name, slow to anger and abounding, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I've said what steadfast love is, active love. Slow to anger, God is patient with us. He would have wiped out the world by now, I think, if he weren't. Merciful. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. He's gracious. Grace is when we get that which we couldn't possibly earn. Unmerited favor. A free gift beyond all deserving. That's how God describes himself. And it shows up in several of the Psalms, but I, I love it best when he said it directly to Moses. And that's how he introduced himself. The Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You can tell I like that one. He will not always chide. There have been times when he, he put his people through some things, when they needed to be sorted out, straightened out, or reminded. Nor will he keep his anger forever. We know that. We know that his grace, mercy, and forgiveness are there. For all who believe and offer it to some who don't. And it's there for the taking. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. This is coming from the king who was described as being a man after God's own heart. And yet among other things. Besides spoiling some of his children so that they came back to be a problem. David actually lusted after a general's wife, brought her to him, 
wound up getting her with child. Then had the general put out into battle and, and left alone so that he might die. And God did forgive him. He paid a price. David did. But he was not repaid according to his iniquities because that would have called for David's very life. And God spared that. Then we are told as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is that steadfast love, that chesed, that active, caring, giving, doing love toward those who fear him. People say, why should we fear God? That phrase bothers people a lot. I don't blame them. Um, I'd like to think that I never really feared my father. He was a tough old former Marine. I'm not sure anyone is a former Marine in some ways. And he was, I don't want to say rough, but he was demanding and he was, he uh, called us to account, my brother and me. And I think I didn't fear him. I feared disappointing him. I feared falling short, and although Dad's long gone, I still wonder some days if I don't fear falling short of what my father asked of me, hoped for me, bent his active love, his steadfast love, toward raising me. I wonder if that isn't the kind of fear, the fear of disappointment, the fear of the the look in his eye when I, when he got home and mom told him I'd done something he needed to deal with. It was a little beyond her. And there were a few times. And uh, the look, especially when he asked me, why did you do that, Cupbear? Why did you do that? That's, that's perhaps the fear. is the fear of disappointment, the fear of falling short. Then we're told as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now, David was a shepherd. David was a warrior. David was a king. David was a musician. David was a poet. I don't recall anywhere in Scripture that David is accused of being a geographer. But if you think about it, and I just learned this, it makes sense that he would say as far as the east is from the west... Because the way we measure distances, how far can you go north? The answer is the farthest, of course, from the equator to the North Pole is only a quarter of the way around the globe because then you're going south again. So you can only go 90 degrees to the north. How far can you go to the south? Same answer. Sooner or later, you're going north again. How far can you go east? The answer, of course, is really infinitely. As long as you've got to go around and around and around the world to the east or to the west. So the, the transgressions, God removes from us. He takes from us, takes from our presence, takes from his, his mindfulness. As far as the east is from the west. As far as we can imagine, God takes the burden of our guilt away from us, if we'll give it to him, if we will let him, if in our human frailty we can trust that kind of grace, that kind of mercy, 
that kind of forgiveness. He demonstrates it to us every day. I guess it's not an accident I thought of my dad. Because the next verse is, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. As I said, I never actually feared my father. He showed great compassion in his setting standards, in his teaching, his showing, his raising me up. The Lord shows that kind of compassion to us in perfect way and in perfect measure, like we earthly fathers can only strive and hope and endeavor to emulate to our children. And then it says he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He remembers that day in creation when he formed Adam and Eve from the clay of the earth and breathed breathed life into us, his very spirit of life into us. And he remembers, he remembers, yes, mortal ones, I, I created you in the image I chose for you. But I, you are, after all, dust. It'll be a time you have growing yet to do all your lives. And yet, my love, my mercy, and my grace will always be there for you. The next section of the psalm begins with, as for man, or I like to say as for mortal, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. Our time compared to eternity, or even compared to, to history, is just about like the life of a flower or a blade of grass. The wind passes over it and it is gone. We are very fragile in that way over time. And its place knows it no more. We like to think we, we remember and will be remembered. But even tombstones will crumble. Memories, too, will pass on into history. But that active, steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, always has been, always will be, on those who fear him, those who hold him in awe and his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant, covenant is far beyond a contract. A contract is a 50-50. You give as good as you get. Covenant, you're all in. 100%. 100%. And we keep a covenant, so does he. And if we remember to do his commandments, and I like to say this, there's a whole sermon series probably God does not give us his commandments to prove his power or to exercise the kind of earthly ego that worldly leaders sometimes fall into God gives us his commandments for our own good for the way we live together the way we treat others the way we regard him and re and remember him and and seek to to live in his way, many, many ways, I, I look through the old books of the law, and even things they didn't understand scientifically or medically back when, seemingly puny, strange things, that in the long run were actually for our own good, and many things that still are.
We're reminded of his grandeur when David writes, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Actually, David probably didn't write it. He sang it. But remembering who the Lord is to him, that God is enthroned in the heavens, an ancient Hebrew image, by the way, there was a, a yearly ceremony of the enthronement of God to remind him who their king is. And we still have a Christ the King Sunday in the Christian calendar for the churches to observe it. And God's kingdom rules over all. David was a mighty king. David was successful in battle against, against other kings. David was a winner. And yet, he sang, God's kingdom rules over all. In spite of what today may seem like, in spite of how people may be at each other, how there is very unseemly, even shameful grappling for power, God's kingdom rules over all in the hearts and minds of those who love him and accept his love. And his kingdom does rule over all eternity. The standard prayer of blessing is, Blessed art thou, Lord our God, ruler of eternity. He said that said in Hebrew starts many of the basic blessings of prayers, of, of bread and of wine and of many things. Then David calls on all that are, all that are in heaven or on earth, to bless the Lord when he says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word, that is his messengers. The very heavenly beings sent to visit Abraham, Joseph, Mary, Lot and his family in, in Sodom. God's messengers are called to, he says, hey, raise your heavenly voices, you. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his warrior angels. Those who are his people in great numbers. His ministers who do his will. We hear a minister and think, oh, a pastor. At least I grew up calling our pastors the minister. Those who do ministry for God. Whether prophets, evangelists, teachers, nurses other caregivers, all ministers who do his will are called to join the chorus to bless the Lord. Creation is called to bless the Lord when David sings, bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. As I said, he ends with the very line with which he began. That's one of the forms of, of Hebrew poetry of, of that time. I read this psalm to myself once in a while besides sharing it with others. It gives me a comfortable reminder of my mortality over and against the eternity of God's love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Given in great abundance to me and, and calling and challenging me to share those things with great abundance with those whom I serve, whether family, friends, co-workers, of course, in the church as a, 
as a pastor. I hope that you get a chance to, in a quiet spot, to read this aloud. Read it with fervor. Practice it a couple of times and read it with emotion. And I hope that you will join in the chorus too. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.